Welcome to the latest episode of Pharma Forum's mini-podcasts, those added snippets from industry events that add a little something extra to the conversation. In this episode, I managed to grab some time with Karen Johnston, Chief Executive of East Cheshire Hospice, recorded during the second day of Anthropy 2022 at the Eden Project in Cornwall. Discussing the concept of the fourth age, increasing dementia cases come from extended life and the myriad complexities in health and social care that are arising due to extended lifespans and also the lingering effects of the pandemic on that care, I do hope our conversation is of interest and that the topics therein inspire further, deeper thought on issues that most of us, if granted longevity enough, will at some point face. Thank you for listening. Nicole Raleigh, web editor for Pharma Forum, and I'm on site at Anthropy 2022 at the Eden Project on the Cornish Coast. With me for this podcast, I have Karen Johnson of East Cheshire Hospice, and this morning, Karen took part in a Delphi's panel on late life care and a vision for the future. So, Karen, it's lovely that you've given me your time today. Um, I wanted to speak with you because you stated something within the Adelphi. Panel, which was provocative, but once it was explained, we could understand a bit more where you're coming from. And what you said was that you, within the hospice sector, have pharma to thank for the number of dementia patients. Could you possibly explain what you meant by that? Uh, well, initially, I was thanking pharma for giving us this fourth age, and with this fourth age that we get, this very later life, uh, the longer we live the more propensity we have to pick up multiple conditions, one of which, and possibly the uh, least known about, is all of the different forms of dementia. So um, if you layer dementia on some other chronic conditions, then you're in in real deep water health-wise. So what we were seeing as a hospice movement is our patients becoming more complex at end of life, and that's harder for the patients to manage, it's harder for health. Uh, healthcare professionals to manage and it's it's harder for families to witness so it's it is a gift this extra longevity but it has its own challenges and and we're facing it as it's happening now so this is not something in the future this is something that we're having to deal with in real time which is a challenge in and of itself which is why at Anthropy it's great to see how wide the discussions are because it's it's not down one single path. It's going to take a collective effort on everyone's part to try and solve this issue. Uh, a collective movement for change. Yeah. Um, so this notion of change was discussed on the panel as well. Could you possibly just sort of reference what was well, we, yeah. So we're, we're, we're talking about right across the spectrum. So obviously on the panel we had a solicitor and we had um, a representative talking about long managing long-term conditions and what we can do even prior to that stop us getting those conditions or at least delay getting them so that's how wide the discussion was and we all felt that we could have you know taken a whole day at it you know and and come up with them some really really great solutions but it will mean letting go of some of the things that we hold dear as in the health service being the answer to all of our ills um and and the part we play in our own health maintenance uh being handed over to the state as uh, you know uh, and expecting it to be handled by someone else 
So all of those things, and even, you know, we, we spoke afterwards about some of the real big issues around, you know, starting a conversation around assisted dying, those types of things to give people some kind of control. As human beings, I think we're set up to want certainty. Yeah. And and the world is now tech, tectonic plates of uh, socio-political change. Uh, you know, it's, it's creating an odd experience for people. Um, and so I think that um, those kinds of things like assisted dying, which only 4% of the population will choose, it's not going to be a tsunami of people who choose that option, but it, it will have to be in part of the mix of, of, of sorting out end-of-life issues. So just to circle back to the different types of dementia, you also mentioned in the there are some 200 forms. That's right. Um, how, how do you cope with all those Well, there's, uh, there's loads of them that have nothing yet. So uh, our patron is uh, Professor Alistair Burns, who's the preeminent um, uh, professor on, and government advisor on dementia and later life frailty. Um, and, and he speaks about uh, dementia being a generation behind cancer in terms of research. Um, and although there's, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is, is now catching up. I know, um, I know lots of studies were, had to step aside to let COVID vaccines through in terms of the, um, you know, the, the, the cycle of these things. And they, but they're mostly around alleviating symptoms and, you know, the, the cure is some way off. And, and people don't know that. They think there are two or three versions of dementia. Actually, there's all there's so many layers of dementia, the same number of dementia uh, varieties as there is cancer varieties. So, uh, and and at, like I say, we're dealing with that crisis now. We haven't had the 30-year run at it uh, that cancer has had. Yeah. But, and, you know, and, and thanks to the pharmaceutical industry, cancer is largely a chronic condition. If you catch it early enough, you can manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're saying that as a hospice movement, you know, the, the proportion of cancer patients is, is steadily dropping month on month. And we're, we're getting it replaced with other um, comorbidities and, and overlaid with dementia, which is presenting us with uh, unique challenges that, that we haven't experienced before. You mentioned um, COVID sort of disruption of R&D within pharma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there was disruption within hospice and care systems. Could you perhaps enlighten us to what those were? And you mentioned also, as a side thought, the 30-year run-up of cancer and now dementia's following suit, another run-up. What will be the fallout still to be felt from the two COVID years? Uh, well, obviously, um, people didn't access healthcare. They stayed away from um, accessing uh, health advice, really, during those two years. So we're getting people presenting now at stage four cancer, in which case, you know, there's very little that can be done in terms of managing the, the symptoms around it. Um, and then that's building up resentment and anxiety and the uncertainty, not only them, but in their families. Already been through a traumatic, we've all been through, a tra- whether, whether COVID has directly affected our lives or not, actually the lockdowns and economic disruption has impacted all of us so there's a society trauma that we're dealing with uh, and that that generally makes you know trauma makes people angry you layer on top of that the loss of a life that's too early and could have been managed had healthcare been accessed sooner you know that that's building up a lot of resentment that's coming out in anger you know we're um 
we, we always train our staff to deal with difficult situations, you know, all of that emotion and heightened emotion and families at war. We, you know, we, we, we train for that. Actually, we're having to double down on that and reinforce those, those kinds of skills in our team. Actually, that's not why you go into healthcare to, to be a bouncer. You know, you, 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 you just, yeah, but that is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with raw emotion at that stage. So that is one of the things that, that, that's coming through now. You know, the shock of a late diagnosis is just incomprehensible to some people. Um, at, um, and, you know, our colleagues in the health service as well, you know, there's, there's people getting into hospital too sick to move into hospice facility and that's clogging up that system so that the system is gummed up now um because of covid really you know that the, the sort of the bulge that's coming through that was that was held up by covid um and um you know the, the we're hunkering down this is this is this is definitely going to be the most challenging winter i think if we can get through the other side we'll have built such a resilience that we'll be able to take on the world i think that's what you do under uh, uh, in um, those kinds of situations. You, if you survive it, you build resilience to it. Um, but that 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 will be years off. Um, I think we just have to get through this this time. A resilient vision for the future. Yeah, and and that circles back to you know self reliance. You know, yeah. preventative, making sure. Um, you know, we're the generation that's wit- witnessing. The vagaries of this fourth age that the pharmaceutical um, industry has given us. Uh, you know, my parents didn't see that with their parents because there wasn't that option. Yeah. So we're the first time that we're witnessing that, and we want choices in yeah. in that. So we want to have choice in that and control over what happens to us. So it's up to uh, you know the people who have attended Anthropy to to come up with those solutions because they're seeing the problem firsthand. Yeah. I think that's where the solutions will come from. Change for choice and control. Yeah. So this is your first day at Anthropy, even though it's the second day of the event. Um, so I'm sure, given that you're on the panel this morning, you haven't had a chance really to look around. So what do you hope to go patch after this discussion? So um, there, uh, there's uh, there's so much going on. You're having to make a Hobson's choice of, of events to go and see. But I think I'm I'm trying to make connections outside of um, of my my own sphere of influence because I think by reaching out by collaborating collaborating with with people in other sectors, actually I might be able to create better value in the system. And and I think that is the the thing that the pandemic provided was the ability to connect without boundaries, mm-hmm. and and we should hold on to that because that was. Uh, that's an important thing. That collaboration is an important thing to keep to maintain. Um, you know, we're. I always talk about uh, with the, with my team in in the hospice. I always talk about you know Neanderthals died out because they didn't collaborate. They stayed in their groups and just had the technology that they thought of themselves. Where Homo sapiens, they were there whittling sticks and and eating fish to get their brains bigger. And then we're saying to each other, actually, if you put a stick on that flint you'll be able to chop better. And so their technology grew out of collaboration. Yeah. And we need to stop with the silo thinking and seeing how these problems affect all of us. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I don't know which event that's going to happen. So you're going to try and get around as She's many well, as I yes. can. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Some great stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cam, for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Cheers. Enjoy thank you. Thank That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and to follow us on Twitter at at Pharma Forum. Thanks for listening. Thank you.